Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Is that good? Yes, sir! I know who I am! Did IQ just drop shot? I could have been. I, I, I have planned. I like this All shit. It is it is a you know it's exciting. Dance off, bro. It is your Me destiny. Welcome to the Atlantic Screen Connection Podcast. Let the games begin. Hello and welcome to Atlantic SC Next with Jason and Lee. I'm Jason. I'm Lee. And for those of you just joining the Atlantic Screen Connection podcast, Atlantic SC Next is dedicated to discussing what we watch during the weeks off our main show and bring on a guest to join the fun. This week, we are proud to welcome the subjectively objective, always dramatically urgent and thematically relevant, J.D. Duran from the In Session <laughs> Film Podcast. Welcome, that was very sir. good, Jason. My wife would be so proud of you. <laughs> That was fantastic. <laughs> so, well, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I know that I sort of had to beg my way on, but I love your guys' show so no, much. No. So no, I did everything I could. I clawed and scratched my way here because this is awesome. And I love you guys. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm so excited for this. Thank God it worked out in some shape or form at long last. I, I was just listening back to our Inherent Vice episode and there was your voice in it. I was like, oh, our viewers will already have heard you. Yeah, but it's good. We finally, some shape or form, we've. we've I know. I'm, I, I, like I said, I'm glad that I'm here. I'm very disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to make that inherent vice episode. But you know, thus you know, being a father and family life sometimes gets in the way. But I love that film way more than I probably should. But uh, I was glad to hear you guys talk about it. But. Uh, I was I was so ready to talk about that movie too, but I'm at least glad you guys covered it. Oh, that's great! But that we're, we're going to bring you on for a, a, a bigger review at one point. Uh, this is kind of just a. I mean, come on, man! We've been trying to do this for for quite almost five months now. We can't keep showing up on on in session without ever giving back. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've had you guys on a couple hey, times, and uh... it's one of the things we have to do. JD, how about you tell us a little bit about in session film, which you do for there, and tell them about your best shows namely the one with kong skull island and the rogue one episode <laughs> yeah exactly those are definitely two of our best Subtle. episodes for sure featuring jason and lee respectively so uh yeah the it's such a film podcast is something we do uh weekly actually twice a week i guess we have a main show that comes out on mondays which is Normally dedicated to some of the bigger releases that come out each week. We have top three lists that we cover as well as other film discussion. Um, and it's a lot of fun. And then on Fridays, we have a segment we call Extra Film, which is dedicated to indie films or the small, the smaller releases out there that a lot of people may not have heard of or foreign language films or, or classics that we just normally don't cover on our main show. Um, which has been a lot of fun. It's been really interesting to see how extra film has organically evolved into its own thing. And in a lot of ways, it has its own audience. I know that we have some listeners that tune in just for extra film. They don't even listen to the main show. So <laughs> I find, my, I find um, myself gravitate more often to extra just because of the shorter format. Yeah. Not, not any that specific too. preference, but like it's just like, I've got an R here. I don't have two R's. Let's 
Oh, an extra bam, <laughs> you know, bad. two films and an R, awesome. I'm more clued in. I'm never gonna see yeah. these fucking things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that that's another thing that we're working on as well. We know that our main show is a little long, <laughs> but you cover great ground and that's what's great about it. Especially I you've recently been doing Thank more you. like essay form stuff as well, kind of uh looking into like happenings in the film culture. And I, I, I find that super interesting. Mm-hmm. You guys are a good authority as, as opinions on that. So I enjoy that segment now that's kind of working its way in. Yeah, it's been interesting to see how the show is evolved over, even over the course of the last five or six months, mm-hmm. things have uh, kind of changed up here and there. But, you know, Brennan and I, we, we try to, we're not quite as academic as you guys can be on your main show and and i mean that in all of the best ways you guys are phenomenal phenomenal that under the skin episode is just remarkable some of the best stuff i've ever heard Um, thank you but we so nice yeah it's very 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 good but but we do try to obviously we we review the film for what it is but we dissect it and, and certainly try to divulge more than you know what you see there on the surface so oh, yeah, yeah. um Definitely. and and that's and that's been a lot of fun especially since Brennan has come on the show it's it's really taken on a, a life of its own and been a lot of fun it's been really cool my my wife i'm sure would love for me to to only be on these for 30 minutes at a time, 20 minutes at a time, but you know, bless her heart. She, she supports me and supports the show and yeah, she, she's what makes this happen really. But I've, I've seen a couple of things that Brandy's shared on, on Facebook and it's always super fun to see that you guys can take, you know, jabs at each other about oh, what yeah. you guys are talking about. Oh, and- she makes fun of us all the time. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Cool. What about you, Lee? What about me? I- how you doing? Anything new and exciting to report? How's the wedding plans coming along? Yeah, uh, yeah, the wedding's coming along great. Uh, it's just at the end of this month, which by the time this episode comes out, we've been fucking ready for the wedding for months, man. It was just a matter of paying it off at this point. Uh, so okay. yeah, it's just a matter of now showing up. Uh, I'm really excited because not only, I mean, the wedding's it's fine, it's good, but the honeymoon is to America and. I have yeah, never man. been there. Yeah, you can come visit me. I, I can't because you're on the other side of where I'm going. <laughs> oh, man. You can come visit me. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are you going? I'm going to California slash Las Vegas slash France, San Francisco. <laughs> okay. Very cool. Yeah, so, yeah, that is very far from me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much as far as America goes, at least yeah. laterally. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, then you got Alaska, which is a place no one visits. <laughs> yeah, the three people that live there. Yeah, <laughs> Sarah Palin and her neighbors. Jason, how are you, man? I'm doing well. I'm getting geared up for Alien Covenant, and I can't wait. This is gonna be cool. Really? Uh, yeah, mm. I am eager to see the film because I'm going with Carrie because Carrie's gonna be on the show again. The same woman I was on for Under the Skin. Looking and, forward to uh, talking yeah. about it. I don't know if I'm looking forward to the film, but I'm looking forward to talking about it. <laughs> um, I yeah. don't. Yeah. <laughs> I listen man. I I'm, I'm I'm going to always be a Prometheus. I'm not even going to say apologist. I like the film. I understand the running in straight lines is stupid, but the rest of the movie was fine. I loved it. <laughs> I understand that Ridley Scott was playing with people and, you know, just saying like call it the prequel motherfucker. It's like, but I mean, I understand the negative connotation that there is to prequel based on what happened to the Star Wars movies. So Ridley Scott kind of going away from that made sense. Now, with this new alien thing, I've decided to not watch anything. I saw the first like teaser trailer and then I, I zoned out. 
I did. I didn't even watch that. There was there was a buzz about it, and I went, "I'm gonna watch it anyway." There's no fucking way I need to see Alien look like Alien. So maybe that's coloring that's coloring my expectation to an absolute flat gray zero. But at the same time, I would prefer to be that way, even if I had seen it. So yeah, I know yeah, Brendan. Hopefully. Brendan is is he's anticipating something terrible. <laughs> yeah, he's <laughs> expecting the worst. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I understand. I think that there is a, a romantic quality that comes to the 1979 film because it was made on a, sh- you know, a shoestring budget. And, you know, th- there is, it's beautiful. It's very practical. Everything is there. It's a closed set. And sometimes yeah. you feel like when they revisit things like this, it's going to do everything in an overblown way where you're like, dudes, you just missed the point of the original and why people liked it. And so I'm hoping that they don't go that far and that they do kind of go a little bit more Hitchcock on it the way that the original was. But based on what I've heard from what people are saying from the trailers, it's a little bit intense. It doesn't it doesn't even feel like alien to me in some regards. Like it's what I love about alien and aliens, even though aliens has more action, it's still overall a pretty restrained film and it's, it's, it's Mm. more intimate in its execution. And there's that, there's nothing about that, at least in terms of the marketing for this film and, and and marketing is just marketing and they're trying to appeal to a certain fan base for sure. So I understand why they're marketing the film the way they do, but it just looks like it's everything that I don't want the film to be sure. uh, in that regard, which is why I'm, I'm more toward Lee, but I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for the best. And the other uh, thing about this movie too, is that Ridley Scott outside of the Martian has been to say that he's been hit or miss is putting it gently, <laughs> but I guess I'll be nice, but he, cause he's been, wow, he's had some big misses over the last seven to eight years. And and that's also a big concern for me going into Alien Covenant because, you know, outside of The Martian, I just haven't really enjoyed anything he's done lately. Sure. Huh. I will see. I I liked Prometheus. I'm not one of the people that hates on it for no fucking reason. It did its job. When I watched it the first time, I was gripped. It's fine. When I watched it the yeah. second time, I was more removed from a film than I had been previously in my life. I had never seen through it so easily than the second time I watched Prometheus. And that was a real shock to me. But at the same time, the fact he could win me over once is enough. And I can give credit to that. When it comes to Alien, I don't want to see Alien again. And I don't want to see Aliens again. And I I don't want to see Prometheus again. I want to just see something. I don't expect to see another Alien ever. You know, I don't think I'd want to see somebody just try to be Alien again. I'd be happy for a film just to have an Alien and do something fucking weird with it. Oh, uh, yeah. Fair enough. There you go. I'm having fun. I don't know. I mean, I I, I liked... I'm one of the few people that liked A Good Year. I I liked Body of Lies, although the end I could have done without, you know. But... I don't know. I, I guess I, I'm, I'm actually one of the people that didn't like The Martian. I, I was bored, sh- fucking shitless watching bored? that movie. <laughs> wow. Okay. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. It was well made. I, I appreciate The Martian for it being well made. But other mm-hmm. than that, I was I didn't enjoy it. No. Yeah. But anyway, are we? Uh, should we move on to film quotes read by tweens? Absolutely. So we'll be back after this. Look on my works, ye mighty and despair. Hi everyone, this is Tim Costa. I'm Hermano De Silva. 
And this is Walter Vinci. And together we are the First Time Watchers Podcast. Each week we choose a movie to review that none of us has seen. Watch it together. And then discuss. These movies could be new. Or old. Or on our list of shame. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the First Time Watchers Podcast. As well as on Stitcher. And we love interacting with our listeners, so if you have any suggestions, send us a tweet. An email. Or post to our Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. That's right. I mean, it's all about interaction. And talking about what we love. Movies. And you don't have to worry about us going on and on about this and that and the other. And oh, no, look, no, no, let's no. talk stop, about stop, this stop, minutiacy Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. And shut I up. wonder shut who up. the cat back in God damn it, shut up. I think that's enough. Oh, my God. Go by the I'm Colin Llewellyn. I'm Judson Grant. And we're the hosts of Another Film Podcast. Another Film Podcast? That's right. Another Film Podcast. On this show, every couple weeks, we analyze a classic and a contemporary film that analyze the cinematic DNA they share. That's right. For example, we talked about 2001 A Space Odyssey, Interstellar, and Arrival. And we also had an episode on Star Wars and the influence of Akira Kurosawa. And if you're into more spooky things, we talked about The Shining and The Witch. Oh, such a good episode. That was, we were like on point. Check out that one, everyone. That's our best episode. Yeah. Check us out. We are Another Film Podcast, found on social media under Another Film Pod and on SoundCloud and iTunes. All right. Welcome back to the portion called What Did You Watch This Week, where we simply discuss what we watched during the week. And to start that out, we're going to throw it over to our special guests, J.D. Duran, to let us know what he watched during the week. So, sir, take it away. What did you watch this week? Well, man, where do I start? I, I guess I'll start with my most recent watch. Uh, earlier today, in fact, I watched uh, the new film with Anne Hathaway, Colossal, from director Nacho Vigalando, I believe is how you say that. Maybe not. I could have butchered that, but... Um, this is a film that's been getting mixed reviews. I don't know what all you guys have heard about the film. I know Brendan and Vince were (laughs) (laughs) probably, um, Vince and Brendan were not fans of the movie as they discussed on our podcast, but I definitely enjoyed the film more than they did. And I think this film may go down as one of the more surprising films of the year for me. And not that I was expecting the film to be bad. I didn't really have a ton of expectations in terms of quality, but the film was actually quite different than what I had originally imagined because going into it, I thought uh, on the surface, the film was going to be a metaphor about, you know, the quote unquote monster of addiction, you know, based off of the, the little clips here and there and the little bit I knew about the film. But the movie really isn't about that at all. It's actually about power and how certain individuals get drunk off of the feeling of power and the control it gives them and how that relates back to Uh, toxic masculinity in our culture. And I feel like the film does a really great job, especially in its back half of emulating all of those ideas. And I think Anne Hathaway's performance captures all of that really, really wonderfully. The big problem I have with the movie, and I would agree with Vince and Brendan on this, uh, as much as I enjoyed the film thematically and it's, you know, witty quirks and, uh, and some of the, the drama you see throughout the film, 
it, it has this weird mix of tones and rhythms that is a bit just disjointed at times. It is, it is jarring when you go from a scene that is comedically rooted to the next moment that is more dramatically rooted. And that transition, uh, doesn't always work throughout the film, but overall, I think the film does a pretty good job of emulating the, the notions it's going after. And like I said, it, it, it becomes very different than anything I, I expected. So, and, and I think on, on one corner, these, these dramatic nuances I'm talking about, but then you also have this Pacific Rim vibe throughout the film mm. that I actually think <laughs> works. It actually couples very well with that drama and, and its metaphors, even though it wears all of it on its sleeve. I think that's one of the things I appreciate about Colossal. So it's definitely one I can mildly recommend. Um, another film I got a chance to see, and this is something we discussed heavily on our main show this last week on, on 219, uh, but I got to see James Ponsoldt's The Circle. Circle, yeah. Now, I had huge expectations for The Circle, not because of its premise or even its cast. For me, it comes down to that name, James Ponsoldt. He, I love his work, um, at least of, of the work that I've seen so far. Right. Um, the Spectacular Now, fantastic. End of the tour so so good so because of that the circle was in my top 10 most anticipated of the whole year right um because because both those films uh made my top 20 of of their respective years so um a lot to look forward to in the circle and it's you know i I think the first thing i said in my review on the show is that there there are bad films that are just pure dumpster fires you know something like independence day resurgence for example and then there are there are bad films that are still doing something interesting but just really poorly executed and that's where the circle falls that's much worse (laughs) yeah (laughs) so JD was commenting on the editing. Apparently, the editing yes. is Suicide Squad level yeah. crap. Whoa. Yeah, and and that and to that's me, a, that's the big that's problem. That's a ballsy claim. <laughs> it is, but I I think when you watch the film, you'll understand exactly where right. I'm coming from because the the film is is it's very weird. It's it's very aware of what it is. It's a brazen satire on you know Silicon Valley culture, millennial culture. It's obviously a cautionary tale in a lot of ways, right, and the right, right. film knows that. And, and when it embraces that and it, it in a lot of ways flips its middle fingers as it does throughout the film, it's actually doing some really fascinating and, and really funny stuff. Mm. The problem is the, the movie has no idea how to balance its satire with its characterization it's supporting characters, it's subplots, like it it's all random in terms of the editing. It's it's so bizarre. And and I and I really do think it's suicide squad level bad. And, and I and I feel like if the uh the corporate overlords that were overlooking this film, if they would have stayed out of it, there's a, a chance that this film could have been something special. Yeah. But Unfortunately, that's not I, like I don't think it's eighteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Bad. A lot of podcasts and reviews are really 18. bashing bashing the shit out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are are really harping on it in ba- some bad ways, and I I don't think it's that bad. There, there comes a period in in every release schedule where people are looking for the next target, especially when it gets to blockbuster yeah, summer and the, the early window. Yeah. There's a there's a fall guy when when the season's bad and there's a one sliver of hope that the season might turn around or get onto a good foot. That's when they fall hardest, you know, and that's where everybody yeah. looks for the the biggest target and the easiest prey, and they just 
pick and pick and pick and it just happens probably to be the circle this time for all whatever it does bad or yeah. good it's probably not deserving of fucking under 20% I mean it's just hard to imagine <laughs> I, 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 I don't think that it deserves all of that but I, and, I, and I think part of it is not everyone but a lot of people I think are taking the film more seriously than the film takes itself uh, because the movie doesn't take itself seriously at all I mean there are so there are some scenes that are so brazen in its approach and I mean it's they may as well be flipping off millennial culture in this movie they they may as well have just done that on the screen and and just said it out loud as well they should <laughs> <laughs> oh no my demographic <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that I picked up on and the fact that you guys are comparing it to Suicide Squad in terms of level of editing and whatnot, I think that there's something even more important to pinpoint and it's the idea that they're either mismarketing this or uh, it's uh, false advertising. Apparently, Hanks isn't particularly much in the film no. and John Boyega's not there. The same way not as when, like, the Joker for Suicide Squad, there were so many yeah. scenes that were cut out. And so <laughs> maybe that backlash is something that's coming out as a result of them being promised something yeah. and not getting exactly that. Well, fair enough. Yeah, I, 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 I think that's exactly a, a very fair point because uh, John Boyega, I don't even know why he's in this film. He's not doing anything. He serves zero purpose to this film. And Tom yeah. Hanks, while he does have somewhat of a purpose, I would argue that in the end, it's it's meaningless. Again, him and pa Patton Oswalt aren't doing anything. They have like three scenes in the entire film and yet somehow become the antagonist by the end. But we don't we don't get to know any of the supporting characters. Right. We hardly even get to know May. And and a lot of that is because of the choppy editing of this film. It it just makes zero sense. It, it doesn't even feel like a film. It's, <laughs> it's just a bunch of vignettes that are offering some fun satire in the middle of it but uh see that's that's a pretty big missed opportunity that one so maybe, maybe, it's, edited, forward to maybe it. it's edited yeah maybe it's edited for millennial culture everything is in snippets right yeah it's, yeah there you go the attention, the attention span out there right now the last film i'll just mention here um in in uh preparation for our jonathan demi discussion that we had on on our latest main show i did get a chance to rewatch the the silence of the lambs and uh, yes. oh great. god damn is that film amazing Oh my gosh, it's it's so good. I mean, everything about it holds up. The acting is impeccable. I love the direction. It's it's a tour de force in in every way. So, um, I mean, there's nothing I can say about it that hasn't already been said. But I uh, I, I'll, I'm so it. glad I got a chance to see it. Uh, Lee Lee has seen bits and parts of the short film that I directed 12 years ago, and a lot of the shots in the film uh, were taken from uh, Demi pictures because oh, really? I nice. loved the way he used the close-up shot to kind of impose a conversation yeah. onto people. He doesn't give them a choice to look these people in the eye and it becomes very uncomfortable. And because like any short film that you start when you're a kid, when you start making these things, it's always a murder story. And so I figured what I'm going to try to do is try to get people to feel a little bit more sympathetic towards this guy by making the close-up shots on the supposed murderer that we find out at the end, but I'm going to have these very laid back shots of the cop. So we have this detachment of the cop and we're constantly close up 
with the guys. So by the end of the film, when they, we have that switch around, we're not no longer with close-up shots. We're actually pulling back. So it creates that jarring feeling for the audience. And so mm. it was really fun to be able to use that. And so it was so sad to hear of his passing. And at the same time, it reminded me, oh, fuck, I actually... That I, 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 he actually had an impact on me as a guy who wants to make movies because Great. I used him nice. in the first short film that I ever made. So it was I really, that. oh, that's nice. awesome. That is cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah, well, I mean, Silence of the Lambs is just one of those everlasting perfections of, of just good crime thriller. It's, oh, yeah, man. I think the best thing about it is just how fast it is. It does so much in such a little time. It's a lost art now. Yeah, exactly. You know, the shorter film. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, it burns through some great set pieces. All very minimal, really. All mostly focused on the threat of the characters in them rather than actual, you know, events happening or, you know, real genuine action. I think the most thrilling it gets is when there's an, an open cage you know that's <laughs> yeah. that's about the height of it, but it's it's just absolute masterful tension and suspense, and it really mm-hmm. does make you come back for more just because you know it was just a damn good thrill ride. Yeah, and I mean it's so weird because we we always talk about like Anthony Hopkins and we talk about Jodie Foster, but I mean Scott Glenn, man, he's fantastic in the film. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I saw this really great. Uh, comment on Letterboxd where someone said, "Are we sure Anthony Hopkins doesn't eat?" people in real life because <laughs> it felt so natural and real like oh, yeah, <laughs> it was man. such a great performance uh, I, I actually use a, a sentence when i'm teaching english to my students i'll, I'll be you i'll use the sentence I'm, I'm having an old friend for dinner you know and i to explain you know yeah. just how important language is in terms of context and so i'll put the quote on the board and they say, oh, well, that means that, you, that you're inviting you're someone over. over. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then I'll put the name underneath. And then they go like, oh, shit. And it's always a fun <laughs> reaction from the students when they're yeah. like, fuck, that's so weird. And says, that's why context is important. You guys need to understand context to understand the whole meaning of a sentence. All right, man. That's great. All right, Lee. What about you, man? What did you watch this week? Uh, you know, I've been totally fucking swamped. I only really have time in my life for Mad Men, because I, I have to keep going. You know, the, right. the addiction is solidified now. It has to end. And the only logical end <laughs> is back at the beginning. <laughs> uh, yeah. But uh, I did get the chance to see uh, Bennett Miller's Capote. Uh, and I wanted to quickly okay. I wanted to quickly talk about it. Because I've never really read any criticism about it. Until now. <laughs> but I'm going to give you my opinion hard and fast. And that's going to be that. <laughs> <laughs> That's critical style for you. Ignore others. Pays yourself. <laughs> so, I mean, I, the only other Bennett Miller film I've seen is Moneyball, which I fucking adored. I thought it was a great... I mean, I have no I have no affiliation or attachment to baseball in the slightest, but that is a fantastic movie. And I think, what, he's only got the three yeah. movies, so I've still... I've only got Foxcatcher left to go. There's a... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, you gotta... There's a documentary that he put out in the early 90s. Uh, mid-90s, actually, but you don't have to watch it if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah if you're not gonna count PTA's June in, then I'm not gonna count whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> so I've got in my head one great film and a Capote one very good film. Not a not a great film, but a really quite good one. Uh because it does its job pretty well. Uh it's got a great story, uh yeah. with quiet, somber character piece that knows how to flip its character in so many directions 
to give us different lights and we still never truly know him even as we watch him blatantly suffer by the end. There's something fascinating about watching the journey of this man and what kind of annoys me about it is that I felt it could have been done better because I think the the, the core structure of watching Capote fall for this for this murderer and the sort of revelations that sort of take you down the path and I, I'm just gonna casually spoil the film so if you don't want to hear that listener you can jump five minutes or so what's great about pote is i think it's like a lost david fincher movie in that structurally it follows very neatly a, a kind of layered character story around crime which he's done before and it flips itself on its head pretty neatly but there's a thing with the twist in the narrative and it, well it's really more of a reveal basically capote the guy he falls for and the guy that he believes is innocent and that's why he feels ashamed of the fact that he doesn't even reveal the title to him about this novel being called In Cold Blood. Right. Yeah. And essentially exploiting this man is that deep down he does not just he doesn't just fall for him but he genuinely believes his innocence and knows that there's probably nothing he can do about it but at least he'll benefit from getting as close to the story as humanly possible because he's He's kind of a dick like that. But the, the reveal is that the guy that he falls for, genu- it's not only genu- genuinely involved, but solely involved. He is a quite specifically a, a blatant murderer. And uh, that, that foundation shakes him. And the film chooses to frame that as a twist rather than a reveal. And I felt that was really jarring against the, the overall tone of the film before that. It's a very slow film. It's very glacial. So we're really mm-hmm. in a film where intimacy is treasured and intimacy is uh, between these two characters, the murderer and Capote, is fascinating and the center of the story. But everything moves so slowly and patiently. And when we get to the 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 reveal we go as close as humanly possible to this guy and then we get cuts in the narrative where we flash to the horrific murders and it's all very it's all done to provoke the audience and what's weird is that it it feels out of place on purpose and that's why we call it a twist you know we're supposed to be it's supposed to catch us but it really it really just should have been a reveal it really should have just been conversation and the film should have played consistently there because this is a story about what's going on internally not externally we we see every we see people, but we never see who, we never really know who they are. We never see them in real comfort. And when we get to the, the twist, it, we, we break that for narrative shock value. And I think that's, it's good. I mean, it's fine, but I don't think it, I think it would be better if this were a film that were a little punchier and a little jumpier and just more involved in a typical Fincher way where we, where we move more, mm-hmm. there's more kinetic energy in the camera. We, we have scenes that, are, that pan more often, pull more often. We focus and we and we shift perspective as much as possible. Instead of just, you know, single camera stuff most of the time, you know, maybe, you know, a close up every now and then. It's, it's all very restrained in Capote. And that was jarring to me only because I had felt the first third of the film was way too slow. And I appreciated that as the film was going on because it remained slow. And that gave you time to delve into the characters, their underlying thought processes. And it felt the importance was on not jumping into quick narrative payoff, you know. It was mostly a sort of cerebral experience that understood that this was biographical. This were, These were real people. And what we were doing, was, what we're looking at here is a lot of unraveling that you would genuinely see, but not understand that distance was important breaking that 
for a twist. To me, undoes a lot of the goodwill the film has. And while the story doesn't isn't affected at all by it, I mean, it's still a great story. I feel that as a, as a collective piece, they said it needed to be about a third shorter or a bit quicker or a bit more involved in other places to make this feel like it was more cohesive as a collective whole. It is brilliant that we see guilt done so well and in so many ways. The unraveling is, is fantastic, but the whole of it doesn't tie for me. I think that makes sense because in a lot of ways, that's how I feel about Foxcatcher, right. um, which is a movie that narratively feels like it's, it's heading in directions that are different than the performances for me. And as a result, it's it's somewhat of this jarring experience and I haven't seen the film in a little while. So I can't recall if I had that exact experience that sure. you're describing there, but I do remember really liking the film and in particular Philip Seymour Hoffman just absolutely deserved every, you know, it does a fantastic d- deserved job. every award that he got. He's so incredible. And, you know, hearing you talk about this film just, just makes my heart sink a little bit. Just knowing that we don't have him around anymore to give these kinds of phenomenal performances, because I think, I think if anything, he certainly got me through whatever happened there at the end. I don't know. Again, I, d- I don't know if I recall having that kind of a jarring experience with this film in particular, but yeah. I-, I can certainly sympathize with that, though, because I do think Bennett Miller has been a, you know, a culprit of that in the past. So um, I-, I don't think it's as bad here as it was for Foxcatcher for me, for me personally, but um I mean, this is this is still a really good film. I think it it would be one I would recommend anyway. Cool. cool. Uh, I really I think Lee and I should actually take these these three films that he's made apart. Bennett Miller to me is slowly becoming a Stanley Kubrick type filmmaker in the way that he actually is able to take narratives that we've seen before, but then shape them in a way that are close to real life because he is the true crime director, if you will. You yeah. Know, if you look yeah. at how he did Capote, even like when he did Moneyball, all these are all true stories, even in Foxcatcher. And to me, that's why when I was watching Capote, the jarring experience that you had at the end kind of reminded me of The Shining, where it's slow for the entire first part of the film. And then in the third act, you hit like a, a ton of bricks where you're like, yeah. what yeah. the fuck is going on? Yeah. You know? And I think that um, the three films that he has made that are like this are all films about the, the cancerous nature of obsession. And it's beautiful how even in the end, Capote, who's dealing with his emotional struggle to actually want to help these people, but can't. And at the same time, he might actually be wanting to set murderers free. But at the same time, he feels for them. He feels like they were kind of pushed into doing this. Yeah, because of yeah, outside right. factors. Yeah. And so he kind of sees the bigger picture. And I thought that Miller was able to capture that. I didn't see it as a twist. Yeah. It's more of like, we got to know these guys too. And was it really in cold blood? I thought that was the question that Miller was asking. Yeah. By showing you the violence of that, you're like, yeah, but at the same time, you kind of get the impression it wasn't really their fault, which is weird because you're not supposed to. No, I, 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 I agree. I, but that's that's what I mean. The as he's describing it, the guy 
didn't know what he was doing, if we believe him with that, then maybe it's hard to tell when we, we're never really getting inside somebody's head until that moment and even then it's contradictory but at the same time i feel that in this one particular case it needed to justify how slow the beginning was mm -hmm. i always thought that the way miller started the film was because capote was such an eccentric figure that yeah. if he just shoots you in the middle of a, of a weird you're not gonna associate you're not gonna get to know him i think he's, it's it's a basic relationship where you're you're brought in and you're saying just give him a minute. Take yeah. your time. Sit down. Listen to him. I agree. And maybe, maybe his eccentricities are going to be something that you're going to find fun as opposed to just strange, you know? Because he was a weird guy. Have you ever seen him speak? I know. I mean, it is he's yeah. a he's very, very fascinating. strange guy. You're entirely right in that it was important for us to spend a little time with him. And the scenarios we get, there's enough of them as he follows this trail of trying to set up and get involved in the murder case where we do get to see so many angles of him. Him with his crowd, him with Harper Lee, him with yeah. his his uh, partner, him with the, the police chief and her and his family, you know, like there's so many sides. Each one's a different shade of Capote, which really just enlightens you that you don't know this guy and you never will. Exactly. So which cool. mm -hmm. fascinating, but it's so glacial and it's so quiet. Oh yeah. The color palette's not cheery, man. <laughs> no, exactly. But that, that's the thing. Like I was, I was interested for the character, but I felt that that could have all been, if, if we're going to jump to twist somewhere, then there were parts there that could have just kept me more invested than just generally being interested in this bizarre guy, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I, I feel like the, the film could have complemented the great story and intentions just a little more thoroughly. Well, I think once you catch up with Foxcatcher, you'll come back to this film and go, actually, everything I said about this film, never mind. <laughs> in comparison, never <laughs> not mind. If not if Jason has his say. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, Foxcatcher to me is, is is an American masterpiece, but that's because <laughs> I already I have a take on it where I want to bring it in, and and I'm not going to yeah. talk about it now because it's no one's talked about my theory, and I want to keep it that way for now because I'm still working on it, and it's it's going to be okay. Fun. Cool. All right, Lee, got anything else? That's me. If you would like to take take the reins for a bit, cool. I'm going to keep this short because I don't want Brandy to get pissed off at me now that I've. Made her a friend with the beginning of the show. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I rewatched. These are mostly rewatches, and the new one uh, that I did watch, uh, I'll get to after. I wanted to briefly mention that I rewatched uh, Ava DuVernay's 13th. Oh, and yeah. I right. think it's still, God damn it. I, I was trying mm -hmm. to, um, okay, I'll give you the context. This week, I was showing it in class to my students, and uh, because they had a, an, a, an exam where they had to kind of just—it's a listening or watching exam where I put on something, and they—it's um, a comprehension test. I mentioned this on the previous episode, but mm -hmm. I didn't mention what happened after. I told them we were going to be watching one of the most important and influential films in recent history, and it's an important documentary for them. It's going to be knowledge that they need to have. And I gave them the exam and this was a test. I should have kept the exam for last, put them through the experience of the film and then give them the exam because we were watching something totally different. But what I did is I wanted to see just how kids that are around 17 or 18 years old from where I live here in the province of Quebec, I wanted to see how they would react to a film like this if they would actually show up for the movie. Now, this was a sad thing for me because I, the first time I showed it, out of a class of 33 students, five stayed and two left during the, the, the screening. Hmm. And 
I couldn't believe how, how sad it made me feel because I was like, no one, they don't care. And this is a sad thing. It's a sad state of affairs and it speaks volumes for the times of what we're living in right now. And it was a very, very disappointing experience for me as a guy who teaches for a living where I'm like, what's the point if no one really wants to talk Mm -hmm. about these things, you know, to them, it's fiction that this, this is all fiction. This is a movie. It's not happening. And you're like, this is necessary information that you're going to you're going to need this later in life to understand where the fuck you come from. Not just us here in, in, in Canada. This affects us too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so the worst part was when I actually showed it on my next class and no one stayed. I, I mm-hmm. told them the exact same thing and they everyone left. I ended up putting it on anyway because I, I figured, you know, if if ever the dean of the college showed up and he was like, why the fuck are you here alone? I was like, I was showing a movie and the students left. At least there was something playing. So I was correcting yeah. exams at the same time. But I found myself being unable to really continue grading papers because I was invested in the film and I had to turn it off myself because, you know, twice in one week was a little intense. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I just encourage everyone again, please, please, please go watch the movie. 13. So good. It's so available good. on Netflix. If not, go. I'm encouraging you hardcore to download a copy. Get your hands on this fucking material. It yeah. you need it. It's important. Yeah. So anyway, that was a disappointing experience for me. Not the film, but the people. <laughs> um. Then I uh, plugged in the social network. Uh, I was listening to uh, original remake. They were uh, talking. You know, Mike Denniston and uh, Pete from Podstalgic. They were talking about the founder and the social network. And I just watched the founder and i was thinking it was really fun for them to actually be comparing it to the social network because that's what it is basically a remake of what's going on but the seed had been planted i wanted to revisit david fincher's the social network and god damn that movie's awesome it's It's so good man it's so great i i uh, i was i was trying to watch i i own the blu-ray and my girlfriend caught me buying the digital copy off iTunes for 10 bucks just so that I didn't have to download the fucking thing (laughs) because I could watch it on my iPad in bed while she like she was sleeping on the side and so I started watching it the other day the fucking color scheme is so low that I had Mm. to boost up the light so that I could actually see the people on screen it was so cool anyway I'm halfway through it right now and I'm enjoying every single minute of it and I want to pick this movie apart but I'm just enjoying it as a viewer. I've turned my brain off yeah, as a critic, no, and I'm just sitting know, there going, I know like, we have to do it at some point later in the year, and I have yeah. no idea what the fuck I'm... How the fuck... I just, like, I can't detach so myself much. from just a, a yeah. giddy and popcorn-loving viewer about it that I have to actually sit down and try to pick it apart. It seems daunting and horrifying, and almost something that Fincher probably doesn't want us to do, which is even worse. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. But, I mean, I can't... If you guys haven't seen the social network, I love the marketing campaign for this fucking movie. How yeah. did they make a movie about Facebook? And I know. you're like, that's right. <laughs> it, How did they make a movie it's about crazy. Facebook? It's crazy. And, and it's one of the best down. films of this decade so far. Exactly. Uh, and Sorkin, 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 so his writing is he's so fucking good. Anyway, uh, that was great. I'm, I'm still watching it. I'm looking forward to, to finishing the show so I can go and plug it in again. And yeah. um, <laughs> I uh, decided to put myself through one last thing. Um, I rewatched uh, The Ninja Turtles from 1990. 
uh, that feels so random. <laughs> yeah, it is. I was, I, I was coming home from, from teaching and last Wednesday I got home and my girlfriend only gets home, uh, two hours after I do. So I, sometimes when I just want to take a break, I'll find something random to put on, which is exactly yeah. what you said. And for some reason I was like, uh, uh, Oh, that's, this is why he fucking inceptioned me. The guy at the comic book store, I went to pick up my star Wars comics the other day and he was showing me cause he knows I'm a fan of the Ninja Turtles and they put out these, these, I think it's 12 or 13 inch replicas of the costumes that they wore in the 1990s. Wow. Oh wow. And yeah. so it's stuck with me in my <laughs> so, head and he says, so it's not random anymore. <laughs> no, no, motherfucker though. He knows me too well. He was well like, I mean, it was random for him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess he knows it is. Yeah. It's 2017. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have, have lived and died a number of times. <laughs> well, that's it. So he inceptioned me. And so, and I, I ended up watching the Ninja Turtles and, uh, I have nothing to say about that. It's still perfect. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. To be fair, I only I watched. I think it was. Um, I don't know if you watch on YouTube. It's a, sh- a channel called Did Did You Know Movies. I think they recently did one on the production of the 1990 yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, and what a fucking desperate shit show that that was trying to get made. Uh, it's fascinating and I've never been more enticed to go. Back. I haven't seen it since I was like a proper kid, and I remember loving it. But, Who's um, the director? Was it Alan Parker? Not a clue. Mm. Is that his name? No, <laughs> probably not. Must be. He'll be that the up. guy who who made Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and probably not much else. <laughs> <laughs> probably that's probably true. Steve Barron directed it. Steve Barron. Steve Barron. There you go. Sorry. Let me see. There's another thing that Steve Barron directed. There you go. Uh, he's the one who directed Billy Jean. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it's in the video. That's awesome. Yeah, Steve <laughs> Barron. Sorry about that. So Steve Barron. He's he directed the Ninja Turtles and. Billy Jean. <laughs> nice. Again, another production fraught with disaster. There you go. Nice. Calling Steve Barron to put out fires. Could, yeah, couldn't even get All half right. the fucking set to light up. Poor bastard. He's just, he's he's a problem solver. That's what that guy is. <laughs> he's the wolf. You bring him yes. in to solve problems. There, there you go. We're going to have this, we're gonna have this yeah. turtle movie where four men are about to die of asphyxiation. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna right wear, wear rubber, rubber suits, suits and they can't fucking breathe can you make an hour and a half movie out of this you're fucking right I can <laughs> as long as the floor doesn't have to light up we're all good <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. just get some standard pyrotechnics I'll make shit happen <laughs> alright and the last the last thing I watched as I said earlier was The Founder starring Michael Keaton um, I don't remember who directed it do you remember JD? You guys covered it on In Session. It was John Lee Hancock. Okay, I remember that name. He he di- he. Well, see, and here's the thing about about John Lee Hancock, and, and this will definitely uh, either enhance your expectations, like my wife, or decrease them. But he he also did uh, the Blind Side, which my wife, I'm not joking, watches at least once a week, which is, well, I love wow. her. I'll, I'll just simply put it in, in that term. But uh, he also did I've Saving Mr. Banks, which is a it. film that I really did like. So, Which one is that, sorry? Uh, Saving Mr. Banks is a movie that oh, I I've really liked that he Disney did. Oh, Walt Disney movie, yeah, all right. Yeah, I've, so. I've been... I've been meaning to watch that for ages. Uh, yeah, me it too. looks really good. Unlike the blind side. Yeah, that one not as much. <laughs> so didn't look uh, like my thing. But that's it. So I haven't seen the blind side. I haven't seen Miss Saving Mr. Banks. So I watched. I watched the founder. And um, is it anything special? No. Is it a good movie? Sure. Um, I really think that they should have done a better job at uh, probably making the McDonald's brothers. 
look a little bit less gullible. Mm -hmm. I think that being on Ray Kroc's side was a bit weird uh, to Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) You know, because you don't really want to know just how he swindled his way into uh, getting a company and stealing it from people because I think the weirdest thing is, is that, okay, is this supposed to be an inspirational story? Is it supposed to be, uh, you know, uh, one of those, um, he no. did it. He did it. Yeah, American dream. I mean, it's a, like a cautionary tale. What's going on? You know, <laughs> it's, it's really not that at all. It's, it's, it's yeah. this one guy who fucked over two brothers. That's what it is. It's not exactly. inspiring or heartwarming. That does sound or... inspirational. <laughs> but it's so weird. It's so weird for them to be like, Hey, check this out. And you're like, well, okay. Okay, I could have watched a documentary on it. You know, yeah. it would have been all right. But I don't know. I liked it. But I, well, I mean, I didn't like what he did. But I, I remember turning to my girlfriend and saying, it's a little weird, but I kind of understand. I feel like I, <laughs> there's a little part of me inside that guy. Or yeah, I let that, that guy, I let that guy swindle yeah. me any day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you like characters that embodied the idea of ambition and they do it through lying and cheating and manipulation, then yeah, I Daniel mean, it's certainly you. a story for you. But and, and to me, that's not really my problem. I mean, because we've seen lots of characters like that on film. It's really more of an execution thing. It just... There are weird turns throughout the film. Like, for example, you see in the first 10 minutes of the movie that this guy isn't a very good salesman. The film goes out of its way to show you that he's not a very successful salesman. Then all of a sudden he meets these two brothers and he becomes the biggest and best franchisee that that the United States has ever seen and never known. And that to me just didn't make any sense. I don't understand how I'm supposed to believe this guy who couldn't sell uh, a simple machine to all of a sudden franchising this, this thing. So, um, hundred percent agree. <laughs> it, so, so for me, it's things like that, that detract from the movie for me. Oh, absolutely. I like how, I like how you described him like the, the main character of Nightcrawler, but suddenly we all have an issue. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just odd because to me, I think it was fitting for it to be a movie about McDonald's because this is where I categorize films like this as mm-hmm. McDonald's movies. It's one of those things that you ingest fast and you shit out fast as well. So, I mean, if you're going to watch The Founder, (laughs) that's exactly what you're going to get. It's a fast film to digest. You're going to forget about it the next day. You won't regret it necessarily, but you definitely won't think about it. Yeah, I think that's fair. That seems... Well, I mean, I'm sold. (laughs) No, but I mean, like I said, to me, it's a perfectly serviceable film. It's a paint by numbers, but like I said, paint by numbers done well looks good. It's just not good because you know it's not art. And so to me, this is a paint by numbers that I can get behind. Uh, it's a kind of movie that I know that my mom is going to enjoy. She's going to be like, oh, what an asshole. And I was like, that's exactly the point of the film, Ma. <laughs> and she'll be fine with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I get I mean, that. Yeah. For, for people like you, me, and JD, it's where we're like, all right, cool. Don't class but, me uh, with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want any affiliation with this. all right so that's it for me anyway so i don't have anything else to add do you guys have anything else that you want to recommend to people go watch jonathan demi films i'll say that yes definitely go watch something wild the manchurian candidate go see silence of the lambs rachel getting married yeah fantastic pictures go watch that Mm-hmm. Excellent. So, shall we close this out, sir? Let's do it. Excellent. JD, man, this has been a fucking honor to actually be able to sit here and talk to you again, but on yeah. on this side of the fence this yeah. time because yeah, Rogue One was an event for me. Yeah. Now having you over here, this is awesome for me too. This was fun. Cool. Uh, so, please just tell the listeners again where we can find you online, and I'll let you take it away. 
Yeah, so as I said, we have the Incession Film Podcast. We do two shows a week. You can find us at IncessionFilm.com. You can find us on all of the, all of the podcast platforms out there, you know, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, whatever it may be. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Incession Film or on Facebook and Google Plus as well. And again, you can find everything simply at IncessionFilm.com. Excellent. And please do that. Incession is, is one of the reasons we actually got into podcasting. I mean, I reached out to JD so many fucking times. For the most banal things, like I was explaining to Brendan on our The Master episode, I reached out to you because someone had fucked me over over an idea, and you told me to calm the fuck down, which is a great, it's the beginning of a wonderful romance yeah. with me and JD Duran. You did, and yeah. So you, did, you, didn't, you didn't explicitly tell him, go on to WordPress and find a guy <laughs> who writes reviews. Don't listen to any of his other stuff. Just take a wild gamble that he sounds okay at a recording. <laughs> but I mean, he followed, he followed that advice as well. So I mean, who knows where the fucking spot goes. <laughs> but but can, can I speak to that real fast? Because I have loved seeing how your guys' show has blossomed. And it, it's been fun to tune in every single week. And, uh, and, and I'm still catching up with some of your guys' work. But... Uh, I, I love what you guys do. I, it, it's been really fun to see everything come together over the last six months and, and, and being in with some of those conversations with you, Jason, at the beginning and, and getting to know you guys and obviously having you on our show as well has just been uh, an honor for me as well. It's been a pleasure and I've loved, loved seeing the success that you guys have had so far, um, you know, having the the kind of success you guys did on Stitcher last week and the responses you guys get every single week, it's it is so earned. Um, and and I love uh, the pathos you guys bring to your show. It's so robust and it's magnetic and mesmerizing and captivating. And uh, stop, stop! It's too <laughs> 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 I'm gonna keep using all kinds of oh words that God. people make fun of Rule me all the bust. time. But. That's great. That's <laughs> incredible. I've got. But- Hi, my name's Lee Brady. I work with a guy called Jason. We've got a really robust <laughs> Yes, you do. Oh, I want to turn off. That's so lovely, J.D. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I love your guys' show. I'm paying so. you. Stop thinking I, we're I know. you. It's you don't need to. <laughs> you guys have done enough. So. Yeah, but uh, thank you so much for those kind words, man. I mean, like I said, I, the, the, the two people that I remember like being like, like, oh, my God, I have to talk to these guys. It was J.D. Duran and David Hart. This is two people that I knew first and foremost. I was like, I love these guys' shows. They know what they're talking about, and I have to talk to these people. So now we've got JD on the show. Now we're gonna go get fucking David's ass. Yeah, as well. <laughs> Dave's great. And, yeah. and bring JD back for something more, you know, yeah, special yeah. next time. Yeah, exactly. I'm excited for that and too. Yeah. More robust. Like I said, I've always been a <laughs> exactly. big fan of the session <laughs> film. I gotta get myself a T-shirt eventually. I'm gonna send you guys some money so I can get myself. I a nice appreciate it. I can wear to the gym. And there you go. <laughs> but that's it. So yeah, anybody who's not listening to In Session, it's a fucking sin. Go over there, download all their episodes, send them some love. They deserve it. And Thank I'll you. leave Brendan it, guys. to Tim, but I'm keeping JD. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Cool. And Lee, where can we find you, sir? Yeah, so you can find me at Big Pick Reviews on Twitter. Yeah, so if you want to hit me up with some casual conversation, absolutely, go ahead. I'm not going to stop you. You're, you're, you're autonomous, I assume, so come at me. Uh, you can also see my reviews and, and some more of my robust work. You can find me at www.bigpicturereviews.co.uk. Me and a 
and a gang of unprofessionals keep you entertained and keep you educated, maybe, I guess. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> he needs to go to bed. It's midnight his yeah, time. Yeah, it's, it's, so. it's, it's midnight where I am, so it's, it's a miracle. Uh, I, I still in. give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So you guys are listening to Atlantic SC Next. My name is Jason Michael. I want to thank you guys very much for listening. You can find me on Twitter at Atlantic SC. Tweet me. I always answer unless you're Yuche. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Stay tuned because next week we're going to be talking about Alien Covenant and we're going to be bringing back the ever so popular Carrie Lynn to talk alien with us because she loves that shit more than yep. we do and it's going to be a fascinating conversation it was an on-air confirmation when we did it on under the skin we said oh an alien's coming up and she went yes i'll be there i was like well there's that sort of so it's great <laughs> super excited excellent all right so thank you very much you guys for tuning in thanks again to jd for as always showing up as always and tweeting our stuff and all that thanks again and lee go to bed thank you take care good night bye Conversation can serve no purpose anymore. Goodbye.